Hey, welcome back. I'm so glad you're joining me today. Um, in case you haven't been here before, I am Dr. Natanya Brown. I'm an endodontist. I'm a life coach for dentists. And quite honestly, I just love talking about things that I can only hope will be really helpful for you as hope, uh, hopefully as helpful to you in your life as they've been for me. So today, what I want to talk to you about are the two words that I would recommend using sparingly. Um, or at a minimum, really pausing before you use them. Now, this is not something I just magically came up with on my own. This is something I learned from listening to one of my mentors on her podcast. I don't know, this must have been like five years ago. It was a podcast by Dr. Katrina Ubell. She's a fabulous podcast. And it, it started to sink in. And I started to see the positive impacts of this little lesson she taught me. And now it's been several years that I've put this to practice. And, and it really dawned on me as simple as this is, it is really something I want to share with you guys. So are you ready? I'm going to dive right in. <laughs> um, the two words, I'm not going to keep you in suspense. The two words that I think you should use rarely or sparingly are always and never. And I'm going to just start out by, you know, kind of asking you, like, how often do you use them in your clinical practice? Like with patients, you know, how often do you tell a patient, you know, that that crown is going to last forever or that, you know, the implant that you just placed will definitely integrate perfectly, you know, on the first try, right? Okay, I didn't really use the words always and never in those sentences, but you get the idea, right? It's like these all or nothing statements. How often do you use those in clinical practice? Well, you know, I probably used them from time to time early on in my clinical practice, and I learned right away that that's not a great idea. And why is that, right? That's because the mouth is a totally dynamic environment. You've got the tongue, you've got saliva, you've got, you know, all sorts of different things people are eating. <laughs> and statistically, there's something that could affect your beautiful restoration that you just did, right? So we're really hesitant to give like guarantees that, you know, something is going to last forever. We could say, hey, if you're if you're coming in for checkups and I'm able to monitor something, it should reasonably last X amount of time, for example, but you're probably not going to guarantee it's going to last, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, whatever the case may be. Right. And why am I giving you this as an example? Because for most of us, if we've been in practice for any length of time, we've kind of learned that it's probably best to not use these all-encompassing always or never statements in the context of dental treatment. And yet, for most of us, what happens is that we're using all or nothing statements in our words, in other areas of our life, or even in the context of our thoughts, right? And my question for you is, if you can relate, 
if this is something that sounds, you know, familiar to you, is it helpful for you? So let me give you some examples. Okay. These are thoughts that, you know, I would think to myself probably pretty regularly. And and let me just give you some examples. So I may have had thoughts like, you know, oh, my assistant is always running late or, oh, brother, my kids never help around the house or, oh, my husband is always so selfish. Okay. I really love my husband. I'm not trying to throw him under the bus here, (laughs) but that's just an example. Or, you know, even I may have had the thought like running a dental practice is always so hard. Right. And so what I've learned throughout, you know, my time is that when we use these all or nothing statements, we, we really are closing the door to having alternative ways of thinking. And potentially those alternatives might be more helpful for us. Okay. So if I'm repeatedly having the thought that my kids never help around the house, and, and that thought is on repeat, like over and over and over, I'm going to start to believe that to be true. And what tends to happen when we believe something to be true, like a cold, hard fact, is that then we're going to start seeking evidence for how that's true. Okay. So if I, let's say I pick them up after soccer practice, I have two boys, we come home and you know, they don't put their shoes in the right place or their backpacks in the right place. And they're automatically just like, I don't know, uh, making a mess and then going to the kitchen, looking for snacks. I might have that thought like, Oh my gosh, they're not helpful. And I have to clean up after them and look at me. I'm picking up their dirty clothes off the floor and they're just never doing anything to help. So by having that thought that they never help around the house, I'm not going to be ever really seeing evidence for why, or, 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 or evidence for times that they may actually be helpful right? Like I might think of that as like, oh yeah, that's just a one-off. That's a fluke. Or I might not even recognize when they do something helpful at all. When we have these all or nothing thoughts on repeat, not only do we start to believe them as true, but it's kind of sad because then that leaves us frequently feeling more frustrated, more helpless and out of control, right? And so what's actually the solution? Well, first of all, we need to just start by noticing when we have these like all encompassing all or nothing thoughts. Okay. So that's my first recommendation is just start noticing what is it that's going on between your ears during the course of the day? What are your, what are you thinking? What are you really focusing on? And does it have you know, these all or nothing kind of sentences in there. Once you identify it, right? Like, let's say you're thinking to yourself like, oh my gosh, there's always traffic or, you know, my front desk manager never handles the phone properly or doesn't interact with patients properly, right? Whatever thought it might be. Once you can identify it, I want you to stop and then ask yourself, okay, wait a minute. Is this thought true? Is it true that my office manager doesn't ever handle the phone properly? 
you, you know, just like I gave you the example with my kids, you might realize that you're overlooking examples of when the opposite might be true. Like there may be a time your office manager is actually handling the situation, you know, talking to a phone, uh, I'm getting my words all mixed up. (laughs) Your office manager may actually be talking, uh, you know, really well to a patient on the phone, but you might be overlooking it. Right. So start noticing Hey, are there times that I'm overlooking examples of when the opposite might be true, right? In my case, there were tons of times I was overlooking when my kids were actually totally being helpful around the house. There were times that my assistant wasn't late. There were times my husband was not being totally selfish. And so once you start to realize that your thoughts aren't 100% true 100% of the time, You might think that that sounds critical or you might even get defensive. Like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? (laughs) But I want to just give you a lot of reassurance that when we realize that our thoughts are not 100% true 100% of the time, this is the most liberating thing ever because then we start to open the window of possibility to recognize that our thoughts are not only not 100% true, but we can decide how we want to think about things and implant new thoughts into our mind that might actually be more helpful for us. Yes, I'm kind of getting a little riled up here because what, what what tends to happen for a lot of our a lot of us and definitely I'm talking from my own experience is that we fixate, we can fixate on things that are not that helpful for us. Okay? So even if you were to say like you know, oh my goodness, I swear this is 100% true 100% of the time, right? Even if it's not that helpful for you to fixate on it, uh, you know, we can continue to fixate on it. And what I'm telling you is just relax for a moment. If it's not helpful for you to fixate on it, then there's a different way that you can think about it that might be more helpful, okay? So let's go back to the example with my kids, you know, let's say making a mess, specifically leaving dirty clothes on the ground, right? Like previously I may have been thinking to myself like, oh my gosh, my kids are always so messy. And if I were to see, you know, a pair of socks on the ground, I might really fixate on that. Like, see, there you go. Here's an example of how they're so messy. And now instead, can am I irritated by the socks? For sure. But I may instead choose to think to myself like, okay, look, my my one kid in particular, maybe he gets half of his clothes in the hamper. So now we're working on the other 50% of the clothes, right? Like we're just working on one percentage increase, hopefully, uh, you know, we're working towards that goal. We're going in the right direction. Okay. And so now my brain has something to focus on. That's in my opinion, a little bit more useful right? Instead of just thinking, oh my gosh, my kids are so messy all the time, that leaves zero wiggle room for improvement. Because basically instead of, instead of thinking like, okay, I have a hundred percent to overcome here. It's almost like it's casting this negative tone that it's unchangeable. Like if I think my kids are always so messy, that's now this unchangeable thing that no matter what I do, I just can't affect any change towards 
you know, the goal that I'm working towards. Okay. So by slightly shifting how I articulate the problem to myself, I can start to open the window of possibility in a way where now my brain can acknowledge the facts of the situation, right? So like in this case, 50% of the clothes are going into the hamper. Now I'm able to focus my mind on the part of things that I do have control over and I want to focus on instead of getting overly dramatic about how horrible the situation is and feeling totally helpless and spinning out in this helplessness, right? Now, instead, I'm like, okay, 50% of the clothes is going in the hamper. That's great. We're working on the other 50%. This is how I want to articulate things to my kid to help him so that we can work towards our goal together. (laughs) I don't know if it's a mutual goal. (laughs) That's a whole separate topic. All right. So, but coming back to you, I want you to really notice, notice those all or nothing thoughts, you know, specifically when we use them in a negative context, it can really make us feel helpless. Nobody likes to feel helpless. So I want you to think about like, how can you make a small shift in your thinking so that you can feel more empowered to make the changes that you want to make? Like whatever it is, whether it's, you know, in your practice, in your marriage, in your relationship to your, you know, your kids or your loved ones, how might you be able to notice, you know, these all or nothing thoughts and tweak them to your advantage? The reason I'm talking to you about this is because once I started making these tweaks in my own life, I really saw dramatic changes. I didn't see things as all or nothing anymore. And I was really able to hone in on, okay, what are the facts of the situation and where can I focus my efforts so that I'm able to make some changes that are really, really helpful to me. This is what I've learned throughout the process of receiving coaching, like me being the client. And then that continued to the point where, of course, I became a coach and now I offer people help in that arena, right? So you can put these techniques to work for yourself on your own and you may be able to to do that and start to see some amazing changes. And as you're listening to this, you may even feel inspired to say, hmm, I wonder what it would be like to have the help of a coach in this process and to really accelerate uh, the changes that I'm looking to make. And if that's you, if you're curious what it could be like to work with a coach, then I really want you to feel welcome to schedule a call with me and to just to see if coaching work might be what you need to help you to get the changes that you want in your life. So if this sounds interesting to you, then go to drnatanya.com. Uh, forward slash connect, C-O-N-N-E-C-T. And we can schedule a time to talk and get acquainted and just figure out what is it, what are the changes that you're looking to make? um, And what is it that you are really looking forward to creating in your life? You may not know how to get there. 
And the role of a coach is not just to spoon feed you answers and to, um, you know, just tell you, okay, do this, do this, do this. And then you're going to have an amazing life. Instead, it's to help you to build intuition and to build confidence in your own ability to make decisions without second guessing yourself, without spinning in overwhelm and indecision and feeling stuck but instead to really feel capable of making the changes that you want in your life. Okay, my friends, I am so looking forward to getting to know you and I'll talking, uh, I'll talk to you next week. Bye.